Welcome to The Paradigm Concept, hosted by myself, Dr. David Rollis, CEO of Paradigm Oral Health. The Paradigm Concept will feature leaders and innovators in the healthcare industry, in particular dentistry, to help you find new, efficient, and innovative ways to build a world-class practice and deliver better patient care. At Paradigm Oral Health, we're all about shaping the future of our specialty, with a focus on putting the needs of the patient first. Learn more and subscribe today at ParadigmOralHealth.com. Hi, this is David Rolla, CEO of Paradigm Oral Health. I'm joined today by Paul Gustafson, who's a giant in the area of organizational design and building high growth organizations. Um, I've had the great pleasure of working with Paul as a business coach and mentor for the past four years. Uh, Paul, thanks for joining us today. Hey, great to be with you. Any anytime I have to be with a generational leader, you know, it's it's my it's my advantage, right? Uh, well, thank you. I feel the same. Um, so, you know, Paul is is one of the kindest and most thoughtful people I've ever known. Uh, every time I talk to Paul, I learn more, and I really appreciate that he really helps me think through even some of my own ideas and find a path for success. Um, so, what I thought we could do today is I would ask you some questions. Um, first, I'd like to start about your background and what you've done um, over the past four decades to develop the treasure chest of knowledge that you have. Um, second, I want to talk about you know, what design elements are critical to building a top performing organization. Um, third, I want to talk about leadership and culture. And then lastly, um, if you could talk about some commonalities that you've observed in the best companies and what good really looks like in your eyes. So if that sounds like a reasonable plan, uh, I can can start with a, a couple questions. Okay, great. All right. So first, if you could just tell me a little bit about your background and, and what's gotten you to where you are in, in life and in business. So I grew up just down the road from you in Overland Park, Kansas. My father was an engineer. My mom was a nurse. And I realized at a very young age that what happened at work came home with them. And so so I began to develop my why, what, why I want to do what I do uh, around that centered. If, if we could create great places for people to work who do incredible things and uh, in serving patients, customers, that sort of thing, that they work as a high performance team, you know, they take that home and home life is a great home life. And whatever they do in their community, whether it's with their faith or with the PTA or with soccer leagues or baseball leagues, they bring home with them. And so as a, in high school, I visited with my vocational counselor and he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to help create great places for people to work. He said, no, do you want to be a police officer? You want to be an accountant? Do you want to be, you know, and I said, no, <laughs> point me in the direction. Fortunately, I had an athletic scholarship, like football, and and uh, when I visited with the vocational counselor, same deal, David. You know, I want to help create. Well, we have these uh, basic credits that you need to take, and then you'll figure out what you really want to do. Well, it wasn't until I was a senior in in college that I took a, a class in complex organizations by guy who's the president of the American Sociological Association, I said, oh my gosh, finally, I, I feel like I'm getting the direction. He said, there's this brand new program in the, in the School of Management at Brigham Young University called Organizational Behavior. Go over and talk to Bill Dyer. And I, I did. He was a giant in the field and started the program there. And it was really about helping create great places for people to work, in my eyes. But what they talked about was really what you you emphasize. And, and along the way, I played for three Hall of Fame football coaches 
who Lavelle Edwards my, was my uh, college coach, Hall of Fame coach. And I learned about great leadership things. And so to your, your point, I have a why, which is creating great places for people to work. Um, and, and what is it that makes a difference in terms of that is really what you talked about. And I, I sometimes, oftentimes refer to them as, as five smooth stones, kind of taking the David and Goliath biblical metaphor or analogy and say, well, if you could pick up five smooth stones, what do great leaders, what do great organizations need to have if they're really going to be great? And, and one of the things that you're so good at the first one we talk about is, is what is strategy? Using Michael Porter's kind of notion that strategy is about doing either similar activities differently or different activities. And so one of the things I love about talking with you is almost every time we have a conversation, David, you're, well, we could do this different or we could do this better or we could do this differently than somebody else. And, and that's really kind of narrowing your space. And I use a, a cube to say, so what do you say yes to and what do you say no to? What do you, who do you target saying yes to and who? And what channels do you use? And what you're so good at is, so what is it then, then within that space that we can do and be unique at? And so, so I think that, you know, if you, if you have a great team, that's, and I, I, I'm a strong proponent and known for my ability to help create and sustain high performance teams, but you have to have a great strategy. That's the first thing that I think about is, is you got to have a great strategy. Um, so I, I think at, at Paradigm, you know, differentiation has been really important to us and that we wanted, you know, we don't want to be viewed as a, a DSO and want to, to think about, you know, not, not a company that just supports practices, but something that does something, you know, by being a part of Paradigm, we do something different, you know, um, more of like a health system or, you know, I, I, when I, you know, I always reference Mayo Clinic, but I don't think anyone thinks of Mayo Clinic because um, thinks about them as just supporting doctors, you know, you know, doing their billing really well or something like that. I think they think about it as oh, I go there and I get great care. The whole organization enables better care. So I think that's that, you know, whether it's using data or using technology or creating a culture of education and things amongst the doctors and our team members so that we you know learn how to do things better for our patients. I think that's a huge part of our strategy. And I know you and I talk a lot about that uh, successful people uh, develop the habits uh, of doing things or develop a habit of doing things that unsuccessful people don't like to do. Yeah. So, right. so hopefully, hopefully that's part of our strategy as well. Um, but what, what have you seen in, in, I guess, maybe talk about some of the companies, cause you know, you've worked with some amazing organizations. What, what have been, what's been the keys to their successful strategies? One of the things that I learned early on, so I spent nine years in high tech and energy, and then the rest of my career, I've, I've been working with uh, great organizations and accumulated 13 million frequent flyer miles, 42 different countries, 70 fast growth organizations. I, I think that, that you have to have a framework, David, to help you kind of think about your strategy. So if you, if you think about, um, all organizations, what I learned early on was all organizations are made up of processes. And, and one of the truly great breakthroughs that happened uh, for me is I had the opportunity to, to work with another generational leader, uh, Federico Fagin, who 
was at Intel when he helped develop the first microprocessor. And then as entrepreneurs do in Silicon Valley, he started a company named Zilog. And he said, we invented this microprocessor. Uh, he said, the key is we've got to be able to make it so that, that customers who are uh, putting design wins in. And he said, the challenge is, is manufacturing these. And so when I studied how we were manufacturing microchips, what happened was people talked about pieces of equipment that they did. And, and there's eight different departments and 160 steps and, and 43 transfers, but nobody talked about what was happening to the product. And so when we used a technology called socio-technical systems design that looked at the process of, of, of creating transistors and connecting them and then protecting them and isolating them and organized around processes, we were, we were able to, with that process-centric, which you're so good at, is to pick out where can we differentiate. So if you think about any organization, they generally have a strategy process. They generally have some sort of product or solution process. They have some sort of demand creation process. They have some sort of supply chain or or operation process. And those are and and some sort of development process. And then there are three enabling processes. You you have your finance, HR, and IT processes. So if you have a framework that you can look at, then you can say, in which one of those processes do we think we could truly be great? So if you look at, at companies like Walmart, Walmart sees itself as being great in terms of logistics and supply chain, not in product development. But if you go to Apple, Apple's all about their innovation in product development. If you go to Nike, Nike's all about, uh, about uh, demand creation and, and figuring out how to do that. So I think what, what helps you is having a, this notion of differentiation in your mind and saying, if an organization is made up of processes, then in which process do we think we can do something different or differently that will create enormous value for us? And so each organization that I've had the privilege of working with kind of thinks about, okay, where is it that we can differentiate ourselves from anybody else? And so I think that's an an important element is having a framework. Likewise, and you think about organization design, you're familiar with the organizational systems design model that looks at design choices and says, okay, in our terms of our mission, our guiding principles, our strategies, the goals and objectives we measure, our processes, our structure, how we make decisions and the information that flows, our people systems, reward systems, and renewal. All of those design choices drive a certain type of culture that produces results. And so, David, I think that the key is in, in having frameworks and then, you know, in, in each organization, I've had the privilege of working and we say, okay, how can we differentiate? So, for example, one uh, I worked uh, years ago for, <clears throat> with a project between Nippon Steel and Inland Steel. And, and it was a joint venture and, and it, took, it took 14 days in four different mills to do what combined together with technology 
they could do in 30 minutes, 30 minutes. So they, they looked at how can we do things different? You're really good at optimization. You're thinking about how can we, what, what could we, what's the non-value added stuff that we could take out and we can do? And that was an example of what they did in their particular case. So, I mean, there's a, a, a lot of examples. So I, I think that you know, having a flat organizational design like you're describing processes and 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 not necessarily an organizational chart not that we don't have an organizational chart but it's not really you know kind of what governs our you know the the operations of the entire organization uh, that was was so valuable to me when you when you sort of taught me to think about processes and sub processes and then activities and tasks and subtasks and you know we try to map that and and have that all um you know memorialized but it's 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 not even it's not even uh, so much that you have all of those really documented. Uh, we certainly try to do the best we can with that, but but just a way of thinking about it that's even more valuable. Being able to organize those things in your your mind and, and clearly know who the process owners are and the sub process owners are, uh, at least from leading the company. That's that's really important to me, and I feel like I'm really really dialed in when I'm when I have those organized in my mind and on paper, um, and and seeing just exactly what's happening. So for us, it's you know we have our 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 business essential processes so human resources finance and it things that we need to do really well but they're not going to make us um you know different necessarily we're probably not going to record our financials any different than than anybody else um but we should do it you know as good as as anybody else um uh, best in class types of performance um but where we can really differentiate ourselves I, I think is on you know first patient focused operations is one process one of our nine processes next is uh, clinical optimization and surgical education um, then uh, business intelligence then business development then demand generation and then lastly strategy so those, those are our nine processes that we have in paradigm and that's that's really helped me understand you know what's going on and can think about things holistically and um, it, it's not about following a branch of an organizational chart to decide who reports to who, but more working as a team to make sure each of those processes is, are, are, are being optimized um, because we don't, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody in HR is, is or everyone contributing to HR is, is only an HR person or operations or finance. It, it, for me, it's about working across those. And that that's, you know, you, I, you obviously have, have lived in Silicon Valley the past four decades that that's that's really kind of a more of a tech company type of organizational design isn't it yeah absolutely yeah. and and sort of a, a a great experience if i if i may share i, I went out of graduate school and uh there was an energy energy crisis and went to work for a for standard oil of indiana back in in chicago uh, Thought I was like Don Quixote out there with the windmills, and I was going to change the help change the world with some of the new facilities they were doing and all of that. And uh, after three horrible winters, uh, my wife Chrisanne, who you've met, who grew up in Hawaii, said, "Can you can you do what you do in a warmer climate? You know, is it possible that?" And of course, she knew because I was getting on planes and flying to warm climates to to help, but. But the difference when I met Federico Fagin in at Silicon Valley, that when they talked about assets, David, they, they never talked about what the energy company did, refineries, chemical plants, offshore platforms, drilling rigs, pipelines, crude oil. They talked about people. What was in people's heads? 
And, and like you said, and the, why I love the flat organization, and I write about that in a team of leaders, is ideas can come from anywhere. What, what you don't want is you don't want to have a militaristic kind of organization where there's higher, you can only talk to this person who talks to this person who talks to this person. Ideas can come from anywhere. You know? Yeah, that is absolutely suffocating to me when when I've come across people that are are just you know not not that they have to be creative, um, you know, just being concrete is is not necessarily suffocating, but but individuals that just do not um, support creativity or sort of squelch it um, in in favor of like very rigid structure, um, and I, I suppose that that's the, the and that's why I you know one of the reasons we work together so well is it's, you know, trying to f- think about what, well, what would we like to do and, and how could we make it possible? And some things might be impossible, but, you know, I suppose people probably thought flying was impossible a hundred years ago too. Uh, so uh, that, that's, that's been really exciting for me and, and uh, you know, how you, you talk about, uh, you know, theta thoughts and, and uh, spending time thinking and, and uh, that's, that's been encouraging. And I think we, um, so many things we've done, we, we probably wouldn't have come to without, you know, your guidance on those things. Well, you've done, you know, you've done some terrific things because you, it, one of the things that you embrace is that you compete on knowledge. You, you absolutely believe that. And, and what you also believe is what I, what I've shared with you is we're perfectly designed to get the results we get, right? Yeah. So we know flat organizations do incredible things. We know hierarchy, sty- stymie you know, uh, innovation and, 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 and great execution. And, and one of the things that y- you've done is, is you've, you've built into the organization with, with elite uh, uh, surgeons, different mechanisms. I, 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 as you remember, one of the things that sort of blew me away, you had a meeting of all your surgeons at, at an early stage in Denver. And you had a reception, and the reception was supposed to go from seven to eight thirty or something, and uh, and and nine came, ten came, eleven came. I mean, the, the they were still talking with one another because you created a forum for people and and also a a set of principles that facilitated people interacting with one another. And you've done that with your pet talks. You've done it with with other meetings that you've had. You've done it with your leadership council. You've done, you know, each state is is, and now you have councils that are doing that. And and you you've also said if if we could, uh, if we knew how each other processed information, that 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 we could actually accelerate that. And so you've embraced the whole brain thinking, the HBDI as a way that that knowing how you process information, knowing how I process it, knowing how other people process, if we can actually communicate in their thinking and learning preference, they're gonna get it lots faster. I think, yeah, our, our biggest attribute or biggest asset is definitely our knowledge and collectively with you know tons of really bright surgeons, if we can manage to tap into all those minds and, 
and not be siloed in our own individual practice, but see like, oh, geez, I, I thought I was doing this the best way, but turns out there's another way and it looks like it's working really well. And here's, you know, here I see it again. So it's, it's it, it, but you have to have the ways to measure those things, capture the data, spread it out, perpetuate it, get people thinking about it, getting them engaged in it and interacting. And so, th- you know, that's that's my vision. And then it's like, how do you make it all happen culturally? How do you get people excited? How do you get them bought into it and wanting to participate? And and a lot of those things are very tangible things. It's not just this sort of like ethereal idea of, oh, we're going to create a great culture. Of course, you want a great <laughs> culture. But like what what how do we do that? What is that actually? And that that really gets me excited. It's the it, th- there's so many variables to this to the to the whole pie that we're baking um, because we know we want to create, you know, a better patient experience. We want to create better outcomes, and and you know, hopefully, it's uh, you know a, a financially successful endeavor for everyone along the way, so that we can you know persist for decades to come. And I I, I love the, you know all these strategic things that we discuss. They're, they're they're none of them are overnight. They're very very long term. And, you know, I think about them taking twenty years, thirty years to accomplish. Now, in reality, it ends up you know you, you create some pretty nice accomplishments, and you know over a two, three, four, five year period, but. But I, I don't think you I don't think you accomplish those types of things if you're if you're thinking that you're going to do it in three or five years. You have to really, you know, I think think about them from a really long term perspective, uh, particularly in healthcare, because you know the 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 right business decision isn't always the right healthcare decision. But I think the right healthcare decision, the right decision for pa- patients, is always the right business decision. It, it, they just they they don't diverge. Um, so. Uh, the idea of of removing layers of of management or or obstacles to communication or bureaucracy or hierarchy is is something that's really really appealing to me. And I think the way we've we've set up the organizational design. I was just reading an article by McKinsey that I think you sent me that was like the change of change management, and it yeah. said that a lot of uh, business to consumer companies have done really well in implementing technology to to help people change you know whether it's adaptive interfaces or wearable devices you know to give feedback to the user or the customer and and help them make smart decisions but business to business companies um have not you know been as as creative or uh, uh adaptive in, in creating those types of technologies um with our new software system i think we we, we are totally getting there um but uh, uh as i think about it um a big a big advantage of that and you know was referenced in the article as well is removing removing layers of hierarchy so that people that are making really important decisions are able to to communicate directly with people that are doing really important things on the field and i think you know whether it's our data ecosystem when i can see what's going on in a specific practice and even communicate with a a scheduling coordinator about hey what's this something doesn't make sense here what's going on that's that's so valuable to me so um you know the way you, i guess that that's that's a long monologue about what you were saying is is you know observing the that surgeon meeting where everyone was was so engaged in communicating with each other i think that's that is you know just a critically important part of our organization and you talked about one time about like an example where kmart and walmart deviated uh or they made an important uh, strategic decision i think in the 1980s uh maybe you could tell that story oh yeah it's because i grew up in the midwest uh, uh, with with you i think it was 87 something like that kmart had more profit and more revenue than walmart and and walmart said okay here's what we're going to do they put seven satellites up into the sky that could beam down and, and point a sail in each one of their, their locations. 
so that every single day they, they had what was moving and what wasn't moving in that. And they required their store managers to spend 20% of their time in the competitor store looking up what are their prices for 200 items. So they knew what their competitors were doing. They knew what was happening in their store. And Kmart was having blue light specials with uh, Jacqueline and, and Katie and, you know, these other people, blue light specials. And you know what the history is. One just exploded and the other is barely hanging on. But what they did was that they, they saw information was, uh, was facts were their friends to know what was actually happening and design uh, and leverage that information to, to then put in a distribution system that could move products quickly from one place to another, just change the game, just change the game. And, and it's just a marvel to, to see. They, they even, uh, Sam, you know, from, from what we hear, he said, you know, um, customers will come into a store and they'll spend as much time as they want in the, in the store. You're looking, but as soon as they have what they want, they want, David, they want to get out. And so he said, how long can a person tolerate being this? And he said, you know, nobody can tolerate, you know, more than 10 minutes in terms of that. So he was the first one who put in multiple, multiple checkout counters. And he changed the game in terms of the, it used to be that your checkout person was the, the last job. It was the high, everybody worked up. Stockers worked to do this. He said, well, why don't we train everybody to be the checkout people? So oh. to, to your interest about focus on the patient, he was focused on the customer. Yeah, I think I love that story. Um, and, and hopefully people will say a similar type of thing about Paradigm in 30 years. And I, I think what, you know, this, the, the very um, deliberate decision that we made four years ago to probably or five years ago to in, probably invest more than we should have in, in data is, is hopefully a, a, a similar type of decision because we have put a tremendous amount into that. And I think it's I, I can't even imagine doing what we're doing without it. Um, but we're, we're, I think we're even scratching the, the, the surface now of how we're integrating that into our practice management software and, and, uh, and a number of other technologies. Um, interesting what you said about the, the, you know, he, how he thought about the positions in the, in the store, because, you know, for us, the, the scheduling coordinator, I think is a position that's often kind of overlooked, um, it's kind of an entry level position in our, in, in most practices, but, but for us, I think it's, or, or, you know, the schedule is just an incredibly important thing. Um, uh, probably the number one source of complaints from doctors and from patients, you know, nobody, nobody thinks that people were put in the right slots and, you know, mathematically it's, it's a, you know, extremely complicated, you have infinite number of spots to, to put a person in, in a matter of 10 seconds and make everybody happy along the way. So, I think I think we'll have some tools that that uh, are in the works over time that that should should really help us with that, um, and and really you know help enable that super critical role in our in our practices to to become even better or even more important. Help help you know already top performers become smarter using you know AI to augment people, not not to replace the job because I I think that would be a a real um, decrease in quality, um, but to to help people get smarter, faster, and a quicker amount of time. And with, with staff turnover and things these days, like I'd love to solve that. I'd love to eliminate that, but I'm probably not going to change society. Um, but if we can, if we can help the staff that we are hiring 
you know, perform at a, at a top level and hopefully have a little more satisfaction. I think that will be a game changer for us. Um, and, you know, you being in the Valley for a long time now and working with a lot of those companies, what, how, how do you think uh, technology will change, you know, organizational makeups and, and design in the next uh, couple of decades? Well, I think that, you know, the, the, uh, what you've talked about in terms of flat organizations, you know, they, they've been a pioneer in that and in, in terms of, you know, in their clubs, knowledge sharing and communities of practice. I, I think that that, I, I think that that's great. I think that uh, the point that you, you said earlier when you talked about sort of B2B, Mm-hmm. I, I think that I, I, I think that th- that what I see going on is something that years ago the Toyota actually pioneered. Eighty percent of what the car is made is made by somebody else. The Toyotas, the the General Motors, the Fords, they just assemble it together, right? Mm-hmm. And so Toyota, when when it exploded on the market, and and why it was you know, so much better in terms of quality, so much better in terms of assets utilization, so much better in, in labor cost was, was David, they, they did something where they said, you know, uh, what, what other companies did was they went to a provider, let's say Donnelly Mears, who makes beers, and said, okay, we're paying you this much this year for this. Next year, we're going to pay you 5% less. And if you don't, we'll go to somebody else. What Toyota did was it, it said, you know, we have this drivetrain that has wheels, tires, it has all these different parts. Let, let's get all of us together and, and let's figure out how we can make this even more efficient and effective and, and lower the cost. And so they would get groups of people together, never competitors, but groups of people together. And, the, and what they were able to do with half the variability, variances, things that go wrong, 20% less in inventory and 10% less people, they, they made better cars. Well, Silicon Valley, who learns really fast from others, has begun to do that too and says, so, so how do we cooperate across, if you're really good at this, if this is your competitive work and this is our competitive work, how do we marry these two competitive works together to make a more efficient whatever it is that's happening? So I think that that you know one of the things that I see uh, paradigm and with your leadership is is you you did you developed a product uh, years ago to to help um, to help surgeons right? And, and, yeah, loop the the, the referral yeah, management yeah. software. So. so you had an understanding of what that was. Well, I think what you're doing now is you're working with some software people and you're saying, so if we work together, that we could do something really special for us and it'll help you do that. And as long as we have some proprietary thing uses that we have and you have sort of the basic stuff, we can both create this win-win. In the past, you would have, you might have said, "Okay, who are the different software providers out there? Who might, be, uh, you know, who might?" And you could have, uh, could have had, "Well, who's the lowest cost?" But you've taken a whole different approach, which is, I think, what I see in Silicon Valley is 
that what's the where are the collaboration points yeah where where uniqueness and, and competitive advantage can occur yeah I, I, I've, I'm, I'm not the brightest guy in the world, but I, I'm decent at recognizing patterns. And I've noticed that the people that can work with other people and, you know, inspire and be inspired by other people, they, they just tend to be a lot more successful in life and in all ways. So I, I love the idea of any, you know, anything that promotes connectedness, you know, whether it's technology or just, you know, sound business practices or, um, or communication channels, but I think there's a lot of opportunities in technology, and that's you know, and, and data being a really impartial language to to share ideas amongst each other in a non-threatening way. So th those are areas that I'm really really passionate about, and I, I think that that we've excelled, and 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 hopefully will will continue to be that way for for a long time to come. Um, I, I guess one one other thing I want to talk to you about is is leadership. Um, because, or I guess a couple of things, but, uh, maybe first start with, uh, you know, we talked a lot about these different big companies and, you know, Paradigm's obviously a way, way smaller company than, than a lot of these companies. Um, so I think we've been able to translate some of the ideas that, that you've, you know, brought to us from larger industries to, to what we do. Um, and I'm hopeful that all of our practices are are able to sort of take these and, and translate them into to how they operate there within their you know, location or locations, um, because it's 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 just the same thing. It's just slightly different sizing models. So whether it's you know thinking about how you how you um, you know operate your practice from an HR perspective or an operations perspective or IT, it's you can still sort of have that framework to 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 really refine things and um does that does that seem accurate uh those same principles and processes and everything can really be assigned at any at any level in an organization or, or could apply throughout yeah um there when you think about knowledge and you think about the leadership around it there there are actually three types of knowledge there there's a, a knowledge which is i call value creating day in and day out so that's scheduling customer, working referrals, scheduling uh, patients, servicing patients, following up with patients. It's the day-to-day -day work every single day. There's also work that you're really good at is seeing the future. What's happening in the future? That's different knowledge work. That, that knowledge work needs to actually understand the day-to-day, -day. but, but it's, it's different because it sees the future. It sees dissimilar parts coming together. It's, it, it's imagining a refrigerator that has Wi-Fi, has a camera, <clears throat> has a, a tablet, and that can tell you what ingredients for a recipe for dinner or could order out to your local store. You, you, you can, there's, that's seeing the future and seeing, and that's a part that you're really good at. That, that's a type of knowledge. There's another type of knowledge between seeing the, what I call strategic and day-to-day -day value creating, and that's game-changing. And that's how do we take ideas, <clears throat> new technologies, implement them into existing systems and doing it, David, without disrupting the existing system. There, there's really, and so if you think about uh, leadership, that, that, there, that there are basic, some basic leadership that goes across those three knowledge domains, mm -hmm. such as uh, guiding principles. You guys are terrific about 
being clear, and there's books built to last, great to <clears throat> good to great. They're all full of great principles that people, uh, great leaders have. Um, Dave, Dave Ulrich, who's a great thought leader, he, he, leader, he, he wrote a book on, uh, about leadership, and, and he said that there are basic leadership uh, skills, activities, that, that uh, across any organization that you need to have. Developing a budget, putting a plan together, implementing this and that. But he said, depending on your competitive work, that in terms of leadership, that, that what Apple wants in terms of their leaders, because the, it's a, all about innovation, right? Is, is how do you foster innovation there? Now, Walmart, innovation isn't as important as logistics. So taking a quarter of a cent out of this. You know, so what does a leader need to know about that? So we've identified 12 different leadership activities that, that organizations, organizational leaders would have. N noting that, that there's some basics that everybody needs to understand, but also there's some uniqueness depending on how you've categorized your work. So that's why we talk about organizational form follows process, which follows strategy. And so, you know, the belief system of a leader, um, the guiding principles, values, as, as we talk about, understanding culture, understanding, you know, that there are different stages of development of a team. And we've identified five distinct stages that a team goes through with an idea of stage five, they're self-managing. And, and, and those, are, those are common that no matter what role that you would have, you, you ought to em, embrace that. So, you know, understanding the, the development of a team, understanding the, the secrets of a great design, understanding value creation. One of the things that you're really good at and that I love with your Paragon system is, is since we believe that facts are our friends, right? You, you have this data. And when, when I first started thinking about you know, design elements that would make a difference in, in creating great places for people to work, David. I, I thought, how many people actually know the value that they actually created every day? Mm -hmm. Very few people out there. Yeah. You know, they, they go home to their family, whatever. How was the day? Uh, it's okay. You know, but, but I've been devoted, and what you do a great job, I've been devoted to helping organizations, and this is leadership, help create value creating mechanisms so they know every single day. We created great value for our patients, for our business, for each other. You measure employee or team member engagement. So you have your pulse on how engaged each of your 35 practices are. Yeah. Well, I think that, that, uh, surgeons, you know, probably anyone in healthcare tends to be kind of a mathematical person. And I'm, a, you know, absolutely obsessed with, you know, trying to do everything we do, trying to create value, mostly for patients, because that's our product. Like, if we can't do something different or better for them, like, then we're just a commodity, they could go and see anybody. 
So, I mean, that that's that's what we have to be so, so protective of is creating value for patients by seeing, you know, whether it's we get them in faster or we create a more painless experience or we give them better instructions or yeah. you, know, you can go on and on at every opportunity. How can we do something, Any everything that we're doing, most of the things are, are you know, not not all of that novel, but how can we do them where we could just create a little bit more value, even in our post-operative instructions, so that they're they're really detailed and very simple to understand and like kind of foolproof in terms of not taking your medication at the right time. Like I just love to break down the process in every way and think about providing value um, to patients. And then, you know, then beyond that, what, what will, you know, for, for all of the doctors in the organization, how can we create value for, for one another and, and having a scoreboard to, to, uh, to measure that. I, maybe it goes back to, you know, yep. to, 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 to playing sports, uh, um, big sports fan, unfortunately, a Nebraska <laughs> sports fan, we don't have a, we don't have a very good scoreboard. Uh, but, uh, but I think, you know, being able to, to look at the score in a lot of different ways, whether it's the net promoter score by your practice, by you as an individual, your staff satisfaction, um, you know, your, 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 the, your case, your case mix, your case volumes, your production, um, your implant success rate. It, it's, you know, it, it's like playing a sport, um, and, uh, and, and trying to win and winning is creating more value for the patient. Um, and then, uh, 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 you know, I guess, you know, trying or, or like, uh, you know, I think we all went to school for so long and are very used to, you know, looking at report cards, so to speak, or getting a test grade. So, uh, it's, it's probably just programmed in us to think about things that way, but that, that, that's something that's, that's, you know, you do all this hard work. Um, you know, most of it's sort of thankless <laughs> and, uh, so, so being able to have a scoreboard and see what you really accomplished is, is so gratifying to me. And, 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 and it's, it's a way to think about like, you know, I can come back tomorrow and try to do better because if it's just coming back the next day and trying to get the same score, that's, that's, you know, gets kind of boring. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Well, I guess we're going to run out of time here in a moment, but thinking about, um, you know, kind of some last words of advice are all, you know, all of our surgeons, they, they, they lead, you know, sizable businesses, certainly very important businesses, um, that, that, that provide a, a critical service. Um, what, what are the, the kind of the key elements to leadership that, that you've seen over, over, you know, your decades of experience that have, that have, um, resulted in you know success or failure um, because we're dependent on them to 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 be leaders in paradigm. Yeah, I, th- I think three things quickly come to my mind, David. You know, uh, one is that the good book says where there is no vision, the people perish. Right. Mm-hmm. So so em- embracing the vision that paradigm has in its fullest way in terms of understanding that and being able to articulate that is, is so important. I think that, that, that leaders have that that's sort of the strategy component, right? Mm-hmm. The sec, the second thing is to understand we, we do get what we design. And so the results, as you said, in the scoreboard, if you have a framework to help you say, Oh, as opposed to, well, it was just a bad month or it was just a good month, but having a framework, which, which talks about process orientation, you know, having like uh, the organizational systems design model. So you can go and say, oh, this is why we got this. That leaders have to understand, you know, we do get what we designed for. And the last thing that, that uh, was a, a major 
breakthrough in terms of thinking was a study that was done by Mackenzie. Um, they wanted to find out, you know, how successful were were uh, these projects that they work on, strategy and all that. And and to their surprise, because I had a friend who worked on the project, to their surprise, they found only about thirty percent of the of the strategy projects actually produce the results that they were intended to, to, to achieve. And they go, what happened? What, what analytic, what thing did we miss? What happened here? And what they found was they found that the number one reason was they didn't capture the hearts and minds of the people who actually had to implement. And, and so you, as a leader, you have to spend equal amount of time um, capturing the hearts and minds of the people who actually are going to implement the great designs that you have for the strategy. Meaning that if they just have a great strategy, that's going to get you so far. If they have great processes and design, that's going to get, but winning hearts and minds of not only their own people, but their referrals, their patients, and that is, is such a critical factor. And, and that's again, where the whole brain thinking and, well, and all of that comes into play. Well, I, that's what I, when I, when we look at for new doctors that want to join paradigm or new practices, it's, you know, if in, in my assessment of them, it's, you know, do, do, do we have a vision that they are excited by? Do, do they, do they buy into it? Does that sound appealing to, you know, kind of a growth mindset, abundance mindset, always trying to do more, work harder, um, provide a better experience and build something much bigger than any of us, you know, build a brand, not, not a, not a kingdom. Um, and, and are they people that can inspire other people to think the same way, you know, either in their team or, or throughout the country or even, you know, for their patients. So that I think is such, such important advice. So, uh, well, I thank you, Paul, for joining me today. I appreciate you taking all the time. Every time we talk, I, 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 I learned something and, and, uh, you know, makes me want to just work harder and, and, uh, and do more. So, uh, thank you. Well, thank you. It's, uh, been, uh, a, a tremendous blessing in my life to uh, have the opportunity to work with you and your, your team. So thank you. All right. Well, have a good day. Thank you. Okay. You've been listening to The Paradigm Concept, brought to you by Paradigm Oral Health, an organization led and owned by surgeons passionate about shaping the future of our specialty and ensuring the needs of the patient come first. Learn more and subscribe to the show at ParadigmHealth.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on The Paradigm Concept. <music>